You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. This is Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. Roger Stone should not spend one day in jail. I tweeted that out recently, and it is now trending. It seems as though there are a lot of people in the MAGA movement who agree with me that the Roger Stone prosecution, the Michael Flynn prosecution, the attempt to set up Donald Trump Jr., the attempt to smear Jared Kushner, were all part of the corrupt plan initiated by Jim Comey, executed by Robert Mueller, to try to steal the presidency of Donald Trump away from the voters who elected him. And the whole deal that the FBI and Mueller were trying to execute was a pressure campaign. They were trying to find the people around President Trump, find anything that they could set him up for, that they could find that they might have done bad in the, in the 80s, uh, that they could tell an untrue story about, like the Donald Trump Jr. meeting on June 9th in Trump Tower. And, and their hope was that they could find this group of people around the president get them to then lie and flip and turn on the president. Now, don't just take my word for it that that was the case. That's exactly what the Mueller team tried to do with Michael Flynn. They set him up. They pressured his son. And you know what? Michael Flynn did not take the bait. He did not go and make false statements about the president. And now it's my expectation that Flynn will be exonerated. But it wasn't just Flynn, right? It was Jerome Corsi. I mean, Jerome Corsi's a weird dude, no doubt, but that's not illegal. And while he might have been utilizing some strange sourcing to go and find out what was going on with WikiLeaks, that certainly doesn't mean he was engaged in criminal activity. But, but Corsi even said on numerous interviews on Trish Regan's show that the reason he felt this pressure from the Mueller prosecutors was because he wouldn't lie about the president. Let's take a listen in on this uh, commentary from Dr. Jerome Corsi about just how the pressure campaign works with Mueller. The only facts Mueller is interested in are the facts that meet his predetermined theory. Since I said it didn't happen that way, mm -hmm. suddenly they wanted to say, you're a liar, you're going to go to prison the rest and of your life. And not only are you a liar, but you're alleging that, they, that they're saying, not only are you a liar, we're going to make your life absolutely miserable until you come around to our way of thinking? And they've done everything they can. They make you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal defense, they make you, you know, you just about, they, are we going to lose the house? Well, I don't think so. You know, or they make you go through, is dad going to be in prison in Christmas time? Well, I can't say no. I mean, so I, I've been fighting this. Roger Stone, a lot like Corsi, didn't flip, didn't turn, didn't lie. When it came to President Trump, you know, there were circumstances that uh, Stone, in fact, recently reflected on where if he was willing to say things about the president that weren't true, then maybe he wouldn't have to face jail time. Here's Roger Stone last night on Lou Dobbs Tonight making the case. After illegal leaks over a year saying I would be charged with treason and conspiracy against the United States, being the link between the Trump campaign and Russia, they indicted me on the flimsiest charges of lying to Congress, even though there was no underlying crime for me to lie about. And then on July 24, 2019, uh, a member of the, of the Mueller's dirty cop squad approached one of my lawyers proposing a deal. 
if Stone would be willing to re-remember the content of some right. 36 phone calls I had with candidate Trump uh, and uh, admit that they were about Russia and WikiLeaks, they would be willing so to uh, perhaps recommend no jail time. And I said no. This president needs to be reelected, Lou. He's the greatest president in my lifetime. I would never give false testimony right. against him. Roger Stone should have never been prosecuted. He should have never been convicted. The jury that he got was just completely rigged against him. And now the only appropriate action is to pardon Roger Stone. I am calling on President Trump to issue this pardon, not for the president's benefit, not even for Roger's benefit but for the benefit of a justice system that cannot be perverted for political ends when the elites don't like the fact that someone like Donald Trump won the election. Today, Roger Stone is disproportionately carrying the burden of the fake, corrupt Mueller investigation that was really initiated, we know now, when the Obama administration was trying to set up Trump on their final days in office. The recently released emails from Susan Rice show that Comey never thought that Flynn was passing information to Kislyak. He never had any basis for that view. He just wanted a way to smear Flynn. So did Susan Rice. And so they used this bogus interview as a predicate to try to get the guy out of a job that they didn't want him in because he had policy views that they didn't particularly like. With Roger Stone, you know, look... I've known Roger for the better part of a decade. And Roger is, you know, a, a political BS artist. I mean, there, there are those folks on the Republican side and those folks on the Democrat side. And, you know, we don't want to live in a country where the totalitarian authoritarian governments get to say that because you're weird and we don't like your politics that we get to freaking throw you in jail. But that seems to be what some of these folks on the far left want to do to Roger. So it's my hope. It's my expectation that Roger will be pardoned. I spoke to Roger Stone yesterday. Again, I've known Roger for a long time, and the timing of this pardon is important. Roger's wife is ill. He's lost his health insurance. He's had to sell his home. He's destitute. It's hard for him to get work because, you know, who's going to hire a convicted felon, even if it was a political setup job? And so I think to restore justice and to correct the double standard that seems to bother the president so much, we would love to see a pardon of Roger Stone. And by the way, President Trump is right that there is a double standard. He is frustrated that there seemed to be a statement from Bill Barr that there wouldn't be prosecutions of Obama or Biden. And again, I'm not saying that, that we have that evidence today, but I wouldn't rule it out. Here's President Trump reflecting on the need to not have a double standard yesterday. But I think Obama and Biden knew about it. Uh, they were participants, but uh, uh, so I'm a little surprised by that statement. I don't think he said it quite the way you said it. I think he said as of this moment, I guess. But if it was me, I guarantee they'd be going after me. Uh, in his case, uh, they're not. So I think it's just a continuation of a double standard. I'm surprised by it. I made the case for Roger Stone's pardon on the television show and Trump complainathon The View. 
Uh, here's my commentary with the ladies of The View on the pardoning of Roger Stone. Do you think Trump should pardon Roger Stone? I do, and I think that oh, it requires on, a review of the pardon power. Come on, come on. Barack He's Obama pardoned over 1,700 people. Bill Clinton pardoned 459 people. Bill Clinton pardoned 16 people who were a member of a Puerto Rican terrorist organization that planned murders at the Bronx Tavern the, and here in the United States of America. Perhaps look, that wasn't the right when thing to do. When we designed our Constitution. There were vestiges of the British monarchy that Americans still had some reverence for. And one was the notion that the executive, that the sovereign, could extend unlimited grace Did you for just any say the reason oh or no reason but at all. Uh, yeah, that the was king? an element of the, oh, I'm of sorry, the I British, of the British I system the way that I was, I was saying was borrowed. No, no, I understand. Okay. I understand. Like what, what I was Trump getting at is can we agree <laughs> that perhaps that pardon power needs to be reviewed and curbed? So, great question. In Federalist 74, Alexander Hamilton writes that the reason we have the pardon power is to serve as a check on a criminal justice system, which, if allowed to run wild, could create a great sense of sanguinity mm -hmm. in our country. And so I think that if you look at the original intent of the pardon power, right. it cannot be limited. And again, but Trump has pardoned 26 his... people, Obama pardoned over 1,700, so, Bill Clinton pardoned so, 459. So did you, okay. the answer to the question is what? I would, I would agree that you Roger that... Stone should be pardoned, okay. if for no other reason okay. that there has been a double standard in this country where people like Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Andrew so McCabe, Clapper, Brennan, you had have not ahead, faced consequences. So the president has all the power to do something about it. He has used the pardon power, I think, effectively where people have been unfairly targeted. And I would love to see President Trump pardon Roger Stone to ensure that Roger Stone does not spend one day in jail. And you know what? I'm going to call it. I'm going to make a prediction right here and right now that not only should Roger Stone be pardoned, Roger Stone will be pardoned. President Trump understands justice. He is aggrieved as someone who was unfairly targeted. I think he has empathy for those who were unfairly targeted. And I have every expectation that President Trump will pardon Roger Stone and that Roger Stone will not spend one day in jail. That will be true justice and that will bear a stark contrast to the corrupt, politically motivated investigations that started with the Obama administration, that were memorialized by Susan Rice in her emails, that were sleazily conducted by Jim Comey as he was saying he was doing things by the book while at the same time deviating to go and target Michael Flynn, and then that which was ultimately contrived by the Mueller team. The Mueller team couldn't get Trump, who they really wanted. They couldn't get Donald Trump Jr., who was target 1A, and so now they used the full might and force of the $40 million they spent and the countless agents and subpoenas to lock up Roger frickin' Stone, who happened to guess right that WikiLeaks was going to bust Hillary Clinton. Roger Stone will be pardoned and justice will be restored. Big news in Northwest Florida. Two military aircraft in the last week have crashed, an F-22 and also an F-35. The F-22 crashed on the Eglin Reservation with a safe pilot eject. The F-35 crashed late last night. Uh, we expect that was over water with also an ejection. Uh, it's our understanding that the pilot is safe. My congressional team has reached out to Eglin Air Force Base to ensure that they have all the resources they need to conduct an investigation. What I'm grateful for is that 
when we have these unfortunate circumstances, um, we always want to see the diminution in any risk to civilian personnel, civilian um, property, and of course, uh, the most valuable weapon we have in our military is not any airplane or tank or missile. The most valuable weapon we have is the brave fighting force, uh, the folks who put the uniform on and express their patriotism by serving our country at the highest level. These crashes are not, at this point, indicative of some major failure of the weapon systems. Uh, I am grateful that the military will have review panels that come in and evaluate everything from uh, the technical equipment to the different risk factors to the choices made by the pilot and we will get full reports. So I don't expect a lot of news on that I'm uh, very soon. I am grateful that the pilots appear to be safe, that there was no loss of civilian life or property. Uh, and it's a reminder that with the training mission that has to constantly be going on throughout my community and throughout our country to keep our nation at the right level of readiness, uh, that these training missions are risky. You know, these night sorties, these night jumps, uh, these uh, you know swamp training exercises that, that we host in my mission, they do cost lives, and uh, it only should further deepen our appreciation for those who are willing to wear that uniform and maintain that hair-trigger readiness in the event that our country needs it. Vice President Mike Pence will be in Orlando, Florida today with Governor DeSantis. He'll be visiting a nursing home and holding a meeting with tourism industry leaders to see how we can make the right safety moves to ensure that this tourism sector of our economy is able to rebound. And in Florida, it's really important. Uh, we have over 100 million people every year who visit our state. We don't have a state income tax. We have a state sales tax. So in a lot of ways in Florida, we balance our budget on the backs of the people who come here, who come to Disney World and Miami Beach and my community in Destin, Florida, and spend their money. And uh, we use that for our schools and our roads and, and also to take care of the visitors who come here with the form of services that they need, like emergency care, lifeguards, and those types of things. The head of uh, Visit Florida, Dana Young, recently said that we have seen a decrease in revenue and spending in our hotels over the six-week period to the tune of $1.6 billion. Uh, so I suspect that uh, there'll be a lot of discussion about what we anticipate regarding demand. I could just tell you here, I'm, I'm back in Florida today, and as I've traveled around my community this morning, uh, people are out and about. They're giving each other appropriate distance. Um, you, know, you don't see folks bunched up in lines. Uh, when people pass each other, they're very respectful and giving each other space. But as, as I'm looking out here in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida today, folks aren't locked up and, and pinned down in their houses. They're out and about and under the sun and hopefully everyone stays safe. The particular focus of the vice president on nursing homes is one I want to talk about because too often in these moments of national tension and crisis, like we gravitate to the style over the substance. And substantively, I think there was a key decision that was either made or not made with nursing homes that has informed on a lot of these spikes in deaths and how the coronavirus has, has been very lethal to a great number of Americans. In, in the state of Florida, we made a key decision 
if someone had coronavirus, if we thought they had coronavirus, if we were waiting for test results, uh, if they were in the hospital and might have coronavirus, we did not send that patient back to the nursing home. Governor DeSantis and our Agency for Healthcare Administration head Mary Mayhew made the right call to not reinsert people who may be infected into a nursing home environment. Andrew Cuomo in New York made precisely the alternate decision. He actually took people from the hospitals and sent them back to the nursing homes. And so again, while I'm sure the country is regaled by the great prose of Andrew Cuomo and his daily press conferences, all of the tone and tenor and bedside manner in the world doesn't help if you're taking people who have freaking coronavirus and you're putting in them into situations with other vulnerable people who have a high likelihood of dying as a result of coronavirus. In the state of New York, nursing homes have accounted for over 4,800 deaths. I mean, you think about that number, it's like more, you know, considerably more than New Yorkers suffered following 9-11, for goodness sakes. And in the state of Florida, because we didn't make that choice, we've had only 665 deaths in nursing homes. And while each one of those deaths is tragic, you could see the substantial difference just in that one policy choice. So again, it's not just how someone is on television or whether or not you like the tone of their voice or their witty comebacks to the politicians they disagree with. It's actually about the choices that are made. Governor DeSantis made the right choice. We have fewer nursing home deaths. In New York, they made the wrong choice. Uh, we also see nursing home deaths you know, contributing a great deal to the mortality throughout the country. Uh, the Columbus Dispatch in Ohio, they've got a story out about how 60% of the deaths in Ohio are nursing home deaths. We see that trend also in uh, Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, indicating that a lot of the places where they're seeing nursing home deaths are, um, are in Philly and in the Philly suburbs where, uh, where those nursing homes were not prepared and perhaps uh, uh, did not make the right policy choices that we made here in the state of Florida. So it's great to see by the vice president coming. Uh, he and his team have been fantastic. I can tell you there was one specific circumstance where a company in the state of Florida was providing oxygen tank deliveries to a number of our residents. And again, you know, this is this is Florida. We're sort of God's waiting room. So we have a, a tens of thousands of people in our state who receive deliveries of oxygen tanks that literally is their lifeline. And this company wasn't able to get the appropriate personal protective equipment for their employees so that as they were delivering life-saving oxygen, they would not be a vector for the disease. Uh, I talked to the vice president and his team about this. They got right on it, worked with me to ensure that uh, even this private company, but they were performing such a, you know, such a critical public purpose through the Medicaid program that they had the right equipment to care for Floridians. Here's Vice President Pence with Governor DeSantis in Florida today. Governor DeSantis from early on made a priority of seniors here in Florida. Your administration recognized uh, uh, the unique challenges that, that seniors, particularly those with underlying health conditions, would have, the coronavirus. I know while we were raising standards at the national level, you were implementing limitations on people entering nursing homes. You created new standards. You enforced those. And, and let me just say, Governor, we're really grateful for your leadership. And now, uh, as, uh, as Florida begins to uh, open up again uh, in counties across the state following uh, following your best information, your best analysis, we're going to continue to partner with you to protect our most vulnerable, uh, but to get Florida and America 
back to work. So it's great to have the vice president back in Florida today with the governor, and I'm sure they'll make progress in protecting our most vulnerable and then crafting some of the policies that we'll need to invigorate the great American comeback. And certainly in Florida, that will include the tourism economy. If you're enjoying Hot Takes with Matt Gates, make sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review, and tune in tomorrow for more Hot Takes.